When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. One of the things I've been personally obsessive with, with my botanical-style aquariums, is water exchanges. To me, the one single most important thing we can do as aquarists is to exchange water. And of course, the whole idea of water exchanges is to create environmental stability in your aquarium. And that's pretty much, you know, aquarium keeping 101. We all know this. I don't need to rehash this. We've talked about it, but it's something we all know. And then there's what sort of happens in between water exchanges, evaporation and how we manage it. Now, evaporation is sort of the sister or forgotten stepsister of, uh, of water exchanges, and it's something that we don't always pay attention to. And evaporation is a pretty big deal, and it has immediate impact on the environmental stability of our aquariums. Dissolved solids, minerals, organics, and salt, when present, do not evaporate. When evaporation occurs in your aquarium, the concentration of substances in the water actually increases as the water volume decreases. This is important to many fishes, which require stable environmental conditions in order to achieve optimal health. I'm thinking, you know, fishes like discus or epistogramma, fishes which are somewhat sensitive to rapid or continuous fluctuations in water quality. Now, in marine and brackish water aquariums, the specific gravity of the water can increase significantly as a result of evaporation. We're kind of obsessed with it. So if fresh water has to be added in an equal volume to replace it, this obviously has health implications for, you know, the animals, the fishes, and corals which reside in the aquarium. Marine fishes are susceptible to, uh, in, to uh, uh, damage, organ damage from, you know, increasing salt concentrations. This has been known for many years, and this is why you see a lot of top-offs and auto-top-off systems in reef tanks. Makes sense. Of course, in our botanical-style blackwater aquariums, evaporation concentrates substances dissolved in the water as well, which, of course, changes the environmental parameters over time. Now, we could argue, with our emphasis on experimentation and, you know, and trying to recreate the shifting water levels of, say, you know, African forest streams, rain puddles, vernal pools, etc., that the water depth in these environments does you know, vary, and that organic substances in the water concentrate, and that there is something there that our fishes can concentrate or can tolerate, excuse me. However, in my opinion, this would be a weaker argument for a closed system aquarium because there's not simply a volume of flow through or even the nutrient export processes occurring in our tanks that there are in nature and even, you know, all but maybe the tiniest, most stagnant bodies of water. And I'm talking about little puddles where you might find annual Achilles or, you know, wild betas, stuff like that. Now, these gross water level changes typically occur over longer periods of time in natural systems and then they do in the confines of small aquariums. Rain, atmospheric conditions, runoff, and other phenomenon affect this. And of course, in, in this instance, the words tolerate versus thrive are sort of at odds with each other, I think. All of that stuff being equal. The one thing that I am a big believer in with every aquarium that I keep is environmental stability, and I'm sure you agree with that too. Now, it's not the mindset of, you know, pegging the pH at 6.3 without any fluctuation, mind you. No, no, no. Rather, I prefer a stability within a small range. With evaporation, the range can be a lot broader and the fluctuations can happen a lot faster than we'd like. In our aquariums with concentrations of botanicals, the ratio of 
you know, pH reducing organic input capable materials to water obviously increases as the water level decreases. Now, it's not one of those, oh my God, my tank's going to crash if I don't do something about this right now sort of things. But dealing with regular evaporation in the botanical or brackish aquarium is an important consideration in the context of environmental stability. Stress from constant environmental fluctuation is a longer term thing with fishes, yet it can lead to very tangible health issues over time if you don't address it. How much a given aquarium evaporates is based on a myriad of factors, such as the ambient humidity and temperature of the room it's kept in, the time of the year, how wide of an opening the tank has, etc., etc., etc. There's no real standard formula of how much a given aquarium will evaporate in a specified amount of time. I've had, you know, 300-gallon aquariums that lost 4 to 5 gallons a week to evaporation and much smaller tanks that lost half that much in a day. Obviously, in smaller aquariums, the effects of evaporation are more impactful and serious, and some means to address the issue should be considered above and beyond the routine weekly water exchanges. The easiest way to deal with evaporation is simply to add more water. You know, fresh water in the case of brackish or marine tank, the salt concentration will increase, obviously. Well, no shit, Scott, you knew this, right? I'm a freaking genius, I know. (laughs) Really, it's something that we all know, but we just don't talk about. It's kind of common sense, but it's something we do need to think about, particularly in the context of our botanical-style aquariums. I'd go so far as to say that some regular top-off with freshwater is absolutely vital for the brackish tank and fairly important for the lower pH botanical blackwater aquarium. And of course, we'll no doubt have many, many heated discussions on the merits of using pre-tinted top-off water versus simply straight-up RODI in blackwater botanical tanks. I'm sure we're going to have that conversation over the years. Now, keeping track of how much to add isn't particularly difficult either, as you might guess. I mean, seriously low tech. <laughs> like you can simply mark the side of your aquarium with a line in an inconspicuous place with a permanent marker and make sure that the water level never decreases below the line during normal operations. This is a simple and crude visual that gives you a decent you know, guide as to how much your water is evaporating on a regular basis. And you could even get fancy and use the old standby math formula to determine how many gallons a given measure of water you know, level represents, uh, a water level loss represents that is. Sorry, metric users, I don't have the exact numbers for the conversion of this thing, but basically it's this formula. Multiply length by width by height of the tank, divide by 231. So for example, if you have a tank that's 48 by 14 by 20 inches, the product is 13,440. You divide that number by 231 and you get 58.18 gallons. So if you lost, say, half an inch of height in the water column due to evaporation, that works out to, you know, 48 by 14 by 0.5 equals 336. You divide that by 231, you get 1.45 gallons. So one half of an inch water loss in that aquarium is equivalent to about 1.5 gallons of water. That's significant, right? That, that's a lot of water. Now, I promise never ever to demonstrate math again in this podcast or in my blog I never really liked math and I'm not very good at it, but I think this is literally like the only formula I've ever memorized. And I used this over the years to reconstruct fantasy tanks when I was a kid trying to you know, fall asleep at night. I'd be like, I wonder if I, what a six foot tank that's two feet wide. And it, you know, I'd be doing this math in my head. You've probably done that too. Anyhow, you get the idea. So the simplest way to combat evaporation in the aquarium is to add a little water every day to hold the line in your tank. This visual marker makes it easy. However, the simple methodology only works if you're around to do it. Go away for a week or two on vacation and your unattended tank will definitely fall behind. Now, will this spell disaster? Likely not. Unless you have an overflow uh, wear in the aquarium or rely on a specific water level to keep pumps and heaters submerged. 
that's probably not a problem. And there are automatic water top-off systems that do this. We've addressed them here before. We've talked about this, and we can talk about it more if you're interested. But again, it's about stability. It's just the thing I have. Anything I can do to keep stability in my systems is a good practice, and good habits are always nice to acquire. That's today's ridiculously simple, quick, easy thought with important impacts. So stay observant, stay curious, stay proactive, stay engaged, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.